Today we start a two-part series on the topic of social justice in the gospel. The guys are going to unpack a statement from Founders Ministries. As well, they share some personal insights on this topic. It's going to be a great podcast, so sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of All Out War. We are the podcast that deals with everything theological, political, and cultural, and everything in between. We are taking you to those intersections, and we are unpacking them, talking about them, and we are so glad that you're listening today. I am Turner, and I am joined with my buddy, Rosie. What's up, Rosie? What's up, dude? How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great because my favorite football team won today on this wonderful opening weekend of football. And uh, we... We did win. We did? Are you, okay, great. Yeah, I didn't was, realize you were a fan of my same team. Of course I am. Oh, yeah. good. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they looked good. So They looked real good. And we'll let everyone else try and figure that out throughout the rest of the podcast, what team we actually like football-wise, yeah. if you don't know already. But uh, so anyways, yeah, man, I think we have a good podcast today. You got a nugget for us or anything? Oh, I do. Yeah. Uh, so I'll phrase it with, did you know that <laughs> Elvis had a twin brother named Jesse... Who died in the womb? He died in during childbirth. Wow! And uh, Elvis blamed himself for, you know, the death of his brother. That's that's crazy. And he said he had, he had spoke later in life that uh, he would have dreams that him and his brother would be on stage together performing. Wow! Like in I can't remember what color he said either. Like white. Uh, track suits or not track suits <laughs> the jumpsuits yeah. jumpsuits or blue ones and he he would say jesse has a way better voice than me wow yeah that's that's really cool <laughs> yeah. i mean dude that's crazy that he would feel guilty i mean never even got to meet him there's nothing he could do to control that yeah you know that yeah. seems that seems amazing to me um the fact that he would think of his brothers having a better voice too it's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, yeah. Yeah. You know, Elvis is an interesting guy. We should do a whole podcast on Elvis. Yeah. Have you ever been to his house in Graceland? No. Dude, you need to get down there sometime. We need to go down there. Yeah. Uh, his house was so cool. He used to sit, you would love this, he used to sit in his office. He had an office that was next, so his he had a, a disconnected like um, building outside right. of his house and it was a basically converted garage into a um into an office and so that's where like you know his manager would work and all that stuff and he would sit in his office and he would open the front door and his desk was directly in front of the front door and he would shoot his gun <laughs> out the door to target in the yard <laughs> and he would shoot it towards the house and when he uh when he got married to priscilla she made him stop because you know they were going to have a baby and <laughs> she didn't want him to shoot her by accident or him to shoot her but uh, yeah, and, and the the house is decorated the same way it was when he died. Oh, that's really but, cool. Uh, yeah, Elvis was awesome, man. He used to love gospel music. Yeah, and uh, so one one could say that he stole it from them, but he stole the gospel music. Yeah, uh, I mean, just touching on what the the thing we're going to talk about in a little bit. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. They they there's some people that don't like what he did as a white man. Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, well, so that's a great setup. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for setting that. You teed that up perfectly, man. So today on the podcast, we have a, a really interesting topic, and um, it's a deep topic, and it's something that can get pretty dicey. And I hope that we do it justice. I hope that we we you know can unpack this well and not say anything that'll get us fired from our work, so. <laughs> right? <But. laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Yeah, I mean, in, me in particular, because I'm going to be using God's Word as the Bible as my kind of my frame reference, and that's what I'm going to try and, and use as my. Yeah, I think we'll thing. be all right. I think I'll be okay <laughs> with that, as you know, since I work at a church. But um, but uh, so there was a series of statements that were issued out over the past couple weeks. One was as early as the second, I think, of September. And then one as early as like last week, and um, but the original one, that original statement that came out was on the topic of it's called it's, the title of the document is called a statement on social justice and the gospel, and that was put out in response to a cultural movement that's happening right now, which is typically in, on the social ju- on the issue of social justice which is typically something that is championed by progressive and liberal movements and um, in even liberal media outlets um, today. And so this organization that's conservative, both biblically and, and you know, socially, um, they put out this statement on social justice and the gospel in response to what the culture has been kind of feeding out into, um, you know, the mass media, through the mass media and into our culture today. And our education systems and every yeah. place else that's been <laughs> yeah. infiltrated. It's literally trying to get into every aspect and area of, um, of our lives. And so, um, so let's, we're going to look at that, that response, which is a Christian response. And then there's a second Christian response that came out in response to that. So, okay, so let me, let me reframe everything. <laughs> if you lost me while you were listening, it's pretty simple. The culture has embraced social justice over the areas of three particular areas, particularly race, gender, and sexual orientation. Then a conservative group made a statement based on that cultural movement and and that issue. And then another Christian group made a statement on that Christian statement. (laughs) Two Christians, two, two Christian groups making statements about one issue and one, and one topic. And both of them are using the word of God and both of them are trying to bring home their points. And so we're going to look at both of those statements. And what we're going to try and do is find out where the truth and where the right is in, in all of this and where the wrong is and what needs to be discarded and what needs to be accepted yeah. based solely on, you know, on Judeo-Christian historic theological stances, the Word of God, those type of things. And okay. logic. <laughs> and logic. <laughs> logic plays a good side in that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, let's start with the first statement, the statement on social justice and the gospel. Who wrote it, and when did it come out? Oh, uh, so I, I have this blog post from Tom Askell uh, from Founders Ministries, and basically he said that um, June 19th of 2018, they had this meeting in a coffee shop in Dallas, uh, these 14 pastors and I guess, uh, I don't want to say leadership within the just figures um, like John MacArthur and um, people like that. Okay, so some pretty well-known some, people. Yeah, some big heavy hitters um, were just talking about uh, social justice. Okay. And uh, so on September 4th, uh, he said, which is when this blog post was written, he said, today, the statement on social justice in the gospel, which is the name of the response, if you will, or statement of points. Uh, so it said, today, the statement is being released to address the concerns that were articulated in that previous meeting. Uh, it has been produced to encourage a closer examination of things that should sh- that should be most surely believed among evangelical Christians 
as well as things that should be most surely rejected. So that's the way that the statement is broken down. There's 14 categories or topics, and they have things they affirm and things they reject. Um, So he goes on, our hope is that thoughtful Christians will consider the statement and be compelled to go back to the word of God Hmm. for careful study as the issues raised are evaluated. And there's some more stuff, but that's basically this this setup. Okay, so so group of uh, like-minded yeah. Christians, but they are from different you know denominations and backgrounds. Yeah, yeah I want to absolutely. make that clear that it's not just a one tribe or one group of people. It's you know people and, that might be Southern Baptists and people that might be non-denominational. Uh, all in between. Yeah, and everything in between. So that's that's good to know. They just wanted to get together. And this was the particular topic that they were gathering on to discuss, and they basically formulated in that think tank a statement based on that. Yeah. Okay, so so that's the first voice that we're going to learn about <laughs> today. So uh, let's look at that statement real quick. So there's, what, 14? Is that what you said? Four, yeah. Four, so there's 14 particular topics. Um, do you want me to go through them or you want to go through them? We can switch off. Okay. So the first one, Scripture. I'll just start there because I have it open. We affirm the Bible is the Word of God, uh, breathed out by Him. It's inerrant, infallible, and the final authority authority for determining what is true uh, or what we must believe and what is right, how we must live. All truth claims are eth- and ethical standards must be tested by God's final Word, which is Scripture alone. So uh, they start off a statement basically affirming what they believe about the Bible. And yeah. they say it's inerrant, it's God's word, it's a gift, it tells us what to believe, how to live, all of that, and that it's true and has ethical standards as well included in it. So that's good. Then they move on. Uh, anytime you want to jump in, you feel free, because we'll go, we can go, we can do bad okay. bit and back yeah, and forth. Yeah, so what they deny about scripture is that we deny that Christian belief, character, and conduct can be dictated by any other authority, and we deny that the postmodern ideologies derived from intersectionality, radical feminism, and critical race theory are inconsistent with biblical teaching. We further deny that competency to teach on any, of the, on any biblical issue comes from any qualifications for spiritual people other than clear understanding and simple communication of what is revealed in the Bible, in, in Scripture. Okay. So they deny that Christian belief or character can be dictated by any authority other than uh, the Bible, right. and, and, and in particular, postmodern ideology. Yeah, and all those intersectionality, radical feminism, and critical race theory are all exactly what social justice warriors are championing. Okay. And that's pretty much what the modern liberal uh, liberalism is. Yeah, so we'll have to, we'll have to do some... We'll have to give some we'll def- break down some yeah some definitions because yeah. uh, there's I, so much to unpack with each of those. I know this could be a long one. The third, uh, the second point that they bring out is that they affirm imago deo. Imago deo simply is uh, the image of God, and it says we affirm that God created every person equally in His own image, His own image being God, as divine image bearers of all all people have inestimable value and dignity before God and deserve honor, respect, and protection. Everyone has been created by God and for God. So they affirm that God made man in his image Mm -hmm. and that he's unique. Every person has value to God because he designed them and he had it in mind to have them be alive and living today. 
And then they go on to deny an aspect as well. Uh, yeah, so they deny God-given role, so socioeconomic status, ethnicity, religion, sex, or physical condition, or any other property of a person uh, either negates or contributes to that individual's worth as an image-bearer of God. Okay, um, wow. So this is all pretty, I mean, really basic stuff. So basically they're saying that everyone is created equal in the image of God, and Nobody, just because someone's worth a billion dollars and someone is, uh, you know, Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos and someone born in sub-Saharan Africa are all made in the image of God. And they all have the same inherent self-worth, um, regardless of any other th circumstances. They're all yeah, you know, uh, pretty basic stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, so their religion, their sex, their physical condition, their, their wealth, their status – None of that determines their value. Right. Okay, great. Yeah. And then it, part three, um, justice. It talks about justice. This is going to be good. I want to I really make sure we press this. So they affirm that since he is holy, righteous, and just, God requires those who bear his image to live justly in the world. This includes showing appropriate respect to every person and giving to each one what he or she is due we affirm that societies must establish laws to correct injustices that have been imposed through cultural prejudice. So that's a great affirmation yeah. on justice, that it basically says there is injustice. God requires that justice be dealt with. It's not that God turns a blind eye to, to injustice, but he actually, part of his love is that he brings forth justice in various ways, of course. Right. I love that affirmation. Yeah. Uh, so the contrast, or I guess the other part of that is, uh, we deny that true justice can be culturally defined or that standards of justice that are merely socially constructed can be imposed with the same authority as those that are derived from Scripture. Uh, we further deny that Christians can live justly in the world under any principles other than the biblical standard of righteousness. Relativism, socially constructed standards of truth or morality, and notions of virtue and vice that are constantly in flux cannot result in authentic justice. Wow, that's great, man. Yeah. That's really good. It also says there, too, that uh, that they deny that a Christian can live justly in a world under principles other than the biblical standard of righteousness. Yeah. I love that. It's very important. Yeah. So they're drawing some pretty strong lines here. Yeah. So I mean we'll go we'll come back so let's keep moving on I suppose yeah. so we've so we've covered uh, scripture man and justice and then we move on to to God's law it says we affirm that God's God's law as summarized in the Ten Commandments more succinctly summarized in the two great commandments the and manifest in Jesus Christ is the only standard of unchanging righteousness a violation of that law is what constitutes sin. So just so you know, the Ten Commandments are talking about when Moses came down from the mountain in the book of Exodus, and he was given the Ten Commandments, uh, five dealing with man's relationship with God and five dealing with man's relationship with, with man. Um, so the Ten Commandments are broken into two parts. Jesus summarizes that in in the Gospels when he has a conversation, and uh, I think it's the Good Samaritan story, and he basically says that um, in that story, he says uh, that the law and the prophets hang on 
well, he says, what can I do to inherit in eternal life? And he says, you must uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and all that's within you. And then the second is to love your neighbor as you would love yourself. And then Jesus goes on to affirm in that statement that he says, uh, that uh, he says, all of the law and the prophets hang on those commands. And mm-hmm. so he basically takes the Ten Commandments, summarizes them down into two points, love God and love your neighbor. Yeah. And uh, and so Jesus kind of simplifies and paraphrases the Ten Commandments in that way. And, uh, you know, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, and all that's within you, you will, you will fulfill those commandments. Right. Right? And if you love the, your neighbor as yourself, you'll fulfill the other commandments. Right. Like you won't commit adultery. You won't steal from your neighbor. You won't murder. You know, things like that, which are what the Ten Commandments, you know, go into detail about. Right. So those are their affirmation. So uh, we deny that any obligation that does not arise from God's commandments can be legitimately imposed on Christians as a prescription for righteous living. We further deny the legitimacy of any charge of sin or call to repentance that does not arise from a violation of God's commandments. So that's basically saying um, against what you hear in the social justice warriors, you know, this idea of white guilt or, you know, this inherent, um, you know, white guilt. That's the first thing I think of is, you know, apologize for slavery. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I didn't own slaves. Right. You know, something like me, I didn't do that. My yeah. ancestors didn't. I'm actually opposed to it. Right. Why, why do I have to apologize for something I can't stop because I didn't do it? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically, it's saying, hey, look, we're going to call sin what sin, what the Bible calls sin. Anything outside of that, we're not going to address and keep and hold to. Right. So if the Bible's not calling this sin, then why are we addressing this sin? And that's a great, that's actually a great example, the white guilt. That's a yeah. per- perfect example. Um, okay, so then speaking of sin, they go on to the next section, talk about sin. It says, we affirm that all people are connected to Adam, both naturally and federally. Therefore, because of original sin, everyone is born under the curse of God's law and all break his commandments through sin. Okay, and then he goes on, it goes on to say, there's no difference in the condition of sinners due to age, ethnicity, or sex. All are depraved and all of their faculties and all stand condemned before God's law. All human relationship systems and institutions have been affected by sin. So that there's really no way around that. Yeah. <laughs> You're born. It doesn't matter what race. It doesn't matter what religion. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic status you're in. You're born into sin. Elvis's twin brother, if he would have been born, would have been born into sin. Yeah. <laughs> just like Elvis was. Just like I am. Just like you were. Yeah. You know. So we're all born into sin. That's a good explanation. Yeah. Because yeah. of Adam. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so with that, uh, we deny that other than the previously stated connection to Adam, any person is morally capable for another person's sin. Bingo. That's what... Culpable. Culpable. Not capable. Yeah. Oh, did I say capable? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, culpable for another person's sin. Uh, although families, groups, and nations can sin collectively and cultures can be predisposed to particular sins... Mm. Subsequent generations share the collective guilt of their ancestors only if they improve, if they approve and embrace or attempt to justify those sins. Before God, each person must repent and confess his or her sins in order to receive forgiveness. We further deny that one's ethnicity establishes any necessary connection to any particular sin. That's really, I mean, that's exactly what I had the example that I talked about before. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. They're reading your mind, man. Or you're yeah, reading I their do. mind. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do love the what it says in there about how it says that, uh, you know, subsequent generations share the collective guilt of their ancestors only if they approve and embrace or attempt to justify those sins. Right. So in the issue of white guilt, the only time that I would be guilty of of that particular sin is if I approved it mm-hmm. and I went through and said, yeah, they had slaves and that's a good thing. We shouldn't have slaves today, you know, and truly meant that. Then right. that would be where I would be culpable of that sin that they did because I would be continuing it on right? and, uh, and I'd be approving of it, and, which is – there's something in scripture that says about approving sinful behavior. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, it is important to uh, point out that under each of these little categories, there is scripture verses. There's yeah. quite a bit of, there are tons of verses that they, they list there yeah. to back up what they're saying. We'll put, we will put all yeah. all of the links to these in the show notes. So if you want to go and, and you know, Steve and I were talking before the, the podcast, before we started, we want to encourage you. He made the statement, you know, we want to encourage you. Go research this stuff. Look at what we're talking about and make a decision. Like, do some do some work. Think right. think this through a little bit. Find out where you stand on these things. I was going to say, it's important that you do that because when we start, <laughs> I don't want to give it away, but when we talk to the response, when we start reading through the response to this stuff that we're reading now, they also use Bible verses. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it is, and that's... Yeah, the Bible can be a sword that cuts two different ways sometimes, and uh, it's important that you know which side you're cutting on, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> so the next one is, so they covered sin, now gospel, which is the antidote for sin. It says, we affirm that the gospel is divinely revealed, uh, the, divi- the divinely revealed message concerning the person and the work of Jesus Christ, especially his virgin birth, righteous life, substitutionary sacrifice, atoning death, and bodily resurrection. Those are important, okay? Mm -hmm. Revealing who he is and what he has done with the promise that he will save anyone and everyone who turns from sin by trusting in him as Lord. You just heard the gospel, by the way, if you were listening to that. Congratulations. (laughs) I love the gospel. Has perfectly summed up. Yeah, I do love that. It's his life, you know, his virgin birth. This is important. Virgin birth, people say, well, why does it have to be the virgin birth? Why is why is that important? It's really important. Mm-hmm. It was proclaimed that he would come through a virgin. It was proclaimed from Isaiah that, that he would be born of a virgin. And this is important, not because, and this is a theological moment here, yeah. so forgive me if I go off on a soapbox, but not from a... a just from fulfilling scripture, that was important, but also because he was fully man and fully God. In order for him to be fully man and coming through a woman to be born, he had to have God's seed placed in that woman. She had to be a virgin. She had never been to be, have been with a man before. So the humanity side of Jesus comes through the the bottle, the body that was you know that he basically borrowed for the 30 years of his life 33 years of his life and it came through the seed of god and it grew and germinated within the body of mary went through the natural birthing he was yeah jesus was a baby yeah. i mean he was he, mary carried him for probably 9 months 9 months yeah. yeah and she probably had all the things that women get when they're pregnant like you know heartburn and the, Want a chocolate the leg cramps and yeah <laughs> wanting a, you know Pickles at pickles. three in the morning or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Although I've had three kids, my wife my wife has never craved pickles, so I don't know where that comes my from. My mom said when she was pregnant with me, it was Wendy's cheeseburgers. 
for some reason. Oh man, that sounds good right now. Yeah, I could, I could, <laughs> I could use a frosty yeah. and a cheeseburger. But, uh, yeah. but so, virgin birth, righteous life means he lived without sin mm-hmm. ever, and sub- substitutionary sacrifice. God requires a sacrifice for the sins of of all of humanity, and He proclaims to us that the blood of goats and bulls will not be sufficient. It will temporarily cover the sin. Lambs, goats, bulls, those things will be temporary, but they will not sufficiently uh, remove and erase the sin. They just cover over it for a period of time until you sin again, then it has to be covered again. But but his substitutionary sacrifice was sufficient to remove the sins that separate us from God. And then it says his atoning death Atonement means that he was uh, that his his death was satisfactory in that sacrifice. His bodily resurrection means that he did not remain dead. This is crucial. Okay, you want to worship a God who has overcome death. Right. Okay, if he can't overcome death, if he dies and remains dead, then he is not God. Only God can control life and death and has the keys over both. We know that death entered the world because of our previous statement on sin. Sin entered the world, death preceded sin, and it, fo- or it followed sin. So what happens is sin is the, death is the result of sin. So God was not able to remain dead because there was no sin within him. Mm-hmm. There was sin placed upon him. My sin, your sin, anyone's sin was placed upon him so that he could be that substitutionary sacrifice for us. So this this is the gospel. It's really important, and a lot of Christians can't even articulate these things, which is really sad. Yeah, it uh, it's really a statement to uh, the place where churches are today, mm-hmm. um, and their failure to effectively communicate and educate um, their own believers. Right. I mean, even just that statement, just all that that you just said, and even just being able to read again, if you go to the, the notes or wherever we post it, and you read it um, under the gospel, that's very simple. It's, yeah. it's not it's not difficult. You don't have to be uh, Ravi Zacharias to <laughs> you know uh, spread the gospel and do it. I really logically. I want to be. I want to be Ravi though. <laughs> <laughs> He's so smart. I want to be Ravi. That sounds like a punk rock song. <laughs> All right. So they affirm the, the gospel. Yeah. Um, we deny that anything else, uh, whether works to be performed. Ooh, yeah. That's, uh, Another thing, uh, (laughs) or opinions to be held, can be added to the gospel without perverting it into another gospel. This also means that implications and applications of the gospel, such as the obligation to live justly in the world through legitimate and important in their own right, are not definitional components of the gospel. Mm, That's strong, man. I love that. Yeah. How many times people try and, and work their way to heaven? Yeah, I'll be good enough. I'll be right enough. I'll, my good will outweigh my bad. Yeah, it's I mean, crazy. There's without getting into too many specifics, without throwing stones at uh, um, certain groups, we can definitely say many other religions do not offer salvation or even a guarantee of uh, admittance to heaven yeah. to union with God. As I mean, in in Islam, let's just pick on them for a second uh the only way to or not pick on them i don't, I don't care uh, <laughs> uh picking on them uh the only way to definitely uh they, they use that kind of the same scale of karma in a way that if the good deeds outweigh outweigh the bad deeds so to speak yeah um you'll get admittance to uh 
I can't wait. Yeah, they're, can't. they're just hoping in their own effort. Right. Unless you kill, uh, you die, you're slain. In jihad. In, yeah. In, in jihad. Or, uh, yeah. So I, I've asked a Muslim before, what's their guarantee that they're going to go to heaven? He he could not give me a guarantee. They can't. And I said, do you want a guarantee? And he goes, I wish there was one. I said, there is one. You know, and I was trying to give him the gospel. He just wasn't willing to listen too much. But I think I was planting seeds, you know. Yeah. And sadly, there's actually those that are on this side of Christianity, you know, not opposing it, mm-hmm. that still believe that works can be effective to getting you into a place of heaven. and um, Help, Helping God out a little bit. Yeah, or helping yourself what God couldn't do or what, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, mean, I guess I just rewor- reworded what you said. <laughs> but yeah, it's just sad that we would even think that. The reason that the sacrifice was sufficient is because any sacrifice you do is not going to be sufficient. It just wouldn't measure up because of sin. Right. We're not sinless, and it had to be a perfect, sinless sacrifice. Mm-hmm. See, this is the gospel. This is the beauty, yeah. and this is good news because I'm, what God's doing is saying, I'm offering this to anybody who wants it. Yeah. I love that. He's like, I'm not hold, withholding anyone from heaven. I'm actually holding my arms open saying, come on in. I've got a route. I've got a way, and I'll remove the sin. Mm-hmm. And sin is a... Uh, the reason I keep mentioning is because that this is the mo- the most important aspect of this social justice thing, is the definition of sin and how it's dealt with. Yeah, and we'll talk about that when we get into the other statement because it's gonna they're gonna give their point of view on this. So it's from uh, so from sin the gospel then to salvation, salvation it says we affirm that salvation is granted by God's grace alone received through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. That's powerful statement. Mm-hmm. Every believer is united to Christ, justified before God, and adopted into his family. Thus, in God's eyes, there is no difference in spiritual value or worth among those who are in Christ. That's the that's the point, in Christ. And so, once we're in Christ, we're justified to, by God through Christ, we're united to Christ you know, by his sacrifice that he's given, and our salvation is found in Jesus alone, and it's by faith in that and by grace, that grace is getting what you don't deserve. Yeah. God gives us salvation, we don't deserve it, and by faith we receive that, and through that faith of receiving that grace of forgiveness of our sins, we are then thus justified before God, a holy God who's going to bring judgment. We're justified, we're just as if I'd never sinned. <laughs> Before God. <laughs> it's so corny. A lot of preachers use that, but it's a great and powerful way to use that word. Uh, so the affirmation of that is is really, really important. It goes on to say, all who are united to Christ are also united to one another, regardless of age, ethnicity, or sex. All believers are being conformed to the image of Christ by God's regenerating and sacrificing grace. All believers will be brought to a final glorified sinless state of perfection in the day of Jesus Christ. So it's in, in essence, you know, that could be confusing what was said there, but basically this, once you become a believer by faith in Christ and you're justified before God, you're a new creation. That new creation is being is is a seed that's been planted within you and it's working its way out of your life. And so you're being sanctified, mean being made more into the image of, of God the image of Jesus, how he would have lived and walked when he was here on this earth. We're, we're walking through this being sanctified. We will get to a point when we see him in heaven where we will finally be perfected. Right. Perfection won't happen here on earth, unfortunately, but we will get to a place where all of, any hindrance will be removed 
And on top of that, we're placed into the body of Christ, which means all members of of the body of Christ. It doesn't matter. You could sex, meaning male or female. I want to just point that out. Male or female, the two genders, sexes that God made. Okay, the only ones that exist. The only ones that exist, right? Genetically, and so we have that aspect. But also age. It doesn't matter. So you know my. My great grandfather, who was a Methodist minister, he was in Christ. I'm in Christ, mm-hmm. and we're equal in the eyes of God in that sense in His body. So those are good. Yeah, uh, just go through this. Uh, we deny that salvation can be received in any other way. Uh, we also deny that salvation renders any Christian free from all remaining sin, or immune, or well, or immune. Immune. <laughs> I don't know. I'm having a problem with that. From even grievous sin, sin in this life. We further deny that ethnicity excludes anyone from understanding the gospel, nor does anyone's ethnic or cultural heritage mitigate or remove the duty mm. to repent and believe. Yeah. So you're where you're from, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Yeah, and it's really important, uh, you know, Scripture speaks to this. Um, as you and I were discussing before the podcast, before we hit record, this is an issue that the church has been dealing with from the beginning, like one of the first issues they dealt with was race, race issues in the Bible with uh, the the acceptance of Gentiles into the body of Christ. And uh, God had to work really hard in Acts chapter 10 with, with Peter. He had to, he had to have, give him a vision. He put him in a trance on a roof, gave him a vision and told him to eat all this food on a blanket. And it was all this food that was unclean for a Jew to eat. It was probably like lobster and bacon and, <laughs> right. you know, right? all the good stuff. Probably bacon roll, bacon wrapped lobster, lobster rolls, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and uh, he's like, I can't eat that, can't eat. He gives him the vision several times and then finally Peter realizes God was opening his eyes to the fact, in his heart, to the fact that God wanted to open the gospel, not just to the Jews who were the promised ones to receive the gospel first, but to the whole world. Mm-hmm. And he had actually spoken of that in the Old Testament as well. Uh, and several places that that he would open the gospel in the doors of heaven to all who would believe by faith. I just love that, and um, and so your ethnicity, your heritage, your background, those things can't hinder you from repenting. They don't they don't keep God from forgiving you. Right. In other words, beautiful. All right. So they go on to a couple more. I'm going to speak. Yeah. Let's see. What are we at now? We're at. Uh, we should just skip down to sexuality and marriage. Sex- okay, so Keep they do going. talk about the church, heresy, uh, sexuality, and marriage. So we'll go there. That's 10. So 10 out of the 14. Um, we affirm that God created mankind, male and female, and that this divinely determined distinction is good, proper, and to be celebrated. Maleness and femaleness are biologically determined at conception and are not subject to change. <laughs> well, shots fired. This is where it starts getting... Yeah, right? The curse of sin results in sinful, disordered affections that manifest in some people as same-sex attraction. Salvation grants sanctifying power to renounce such dishonorable affections as sinful and to mortify them by the Spirit. So, uh, they do not hold back on this at all, and I really appreciate this. This is important. They're going to talk about marriage, too, but first they have to deal with the issue of gender, male and femaleness, and they, and they accurately say that they are biologically determined at conception. So, you know, uh, I I saw a, a statement somewhere that 
at your autopsy, no matter what you say you were, at your autopsy, they'll determine whether you were male or female. Yeah. No matter how many surgeries you had, it you, you can't take that away. It's the assignment that was given to you. From God. From God. That's the only gender assignment that matters. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you can't reassign your gender. Right. And I hear all of these crazy philosophical debates, and they're actually denying science to bring forth a statement of how this can change, how people can have multiple genders, and it's fluid, and all of these other things. And it's just denying science. It's like saying that gravity is not gravity. Right. You know, it's undeniable. And so, um, so they're moving away from soundness, from truth, and from natural realities. Right. I mean, I mean, even taking, even if you were an atheist, right? If you don't believe in in God or even creation, you you can't. (laughs) You should believe in science even more. That's what they're. Right. talking about because uh, that's really all they have left which isn't much but um it, it's basic biology yeah Na- it's the laws of nature they're <laughs> literally pointing to this yeah it's not bible aside political view aside any of that stuff aside nature says this right and th- and that's why it's so like reading through all this stuff i keep kind of giggling to myself this is not I mean, it's sad that we need to reiterate this stuff, and it, and even more that it's so uh, controversial. Yeah, that saying this stuff, especially as a Christian, I, I know. Well, <laughs> that's the problem, and that's why they had to make this statement, right? And the, and so this next part of this paragraph on sexuality and marriage is important on what they affirm. Yeah, I'm going to jump into this. It says, uh, it says, uh, let me see. I lost my place here. Okay, we, we further affirm that God's design for marriage is that one woman and one man live in a one-flesh, covenantal, sexual relationship until separated by death. Those who lack the desire or opportunity for marriage are called to serve God in singleness and chastity. Uh, this, is the, this is a noble calling as marriage. This is as noble a calling as marriage. So, you know, he's saying that, okay, God has said, in, you know, that we have that the Bible states that it's going to be one man, one woman in a one flesh covenantal sexual relationship. In other words, when they say one, they become one flesh, Paul, Paul emphasizes that the two will become one. Genesis 3 talks about it. Uh, Jesus uh, refers to Genesis 3 when he says that a man will leave his, uh, a man, oh, a man, <laughs> we call it leave to cleave. They will leave. They they will leave their mother and father, and they will cleave to one another to become one. Yeah. And so it's this design that God's put forth. Uh, it's His design. Uh, this is this is what's so amazing to me. It's His design of what is right, what will work best. You know what I'm saying? The only way that works. Yeah, and and he says that it will be held in a covenantal relationship. So we're not talking about a man and woman living together. We're talking about a man and love and a man and woman living together in holy matrimony. So holy matrimony meaning covenant. They've made a covenant to God that, and this is something when I do my premarital with all my young adults that I meet with, you know, through this ministry that I have, that uh, we we make a commitment to God based on us, not on the other person. So mm-hmm. when I make my vows to a woman, you know, when I made my vows to my wife, I would say, as for me, 
in sickness, in health, in rich or poor, whatever the state, whatever status we find ourselves in, I will honor this vow of promise of to be holy unto you, that I won't go outside the marriage, I won't divorce you. Not not what you do, it's what I, as for me. Likewise, my spouse, she said to me, as for me, I will honor this marriage vow in sickness, in health, in richer or poorer, whatever. You know, and so I, she made her vow to God that she would honor it as well. And so now I'm banking on the fact that she's going to keep her promise to God. She's banking that I'm going to keep my promise to God. I didn't make my promise saying, I'll stay married to you as long as you weigh under a certain weight and you keep your hair this color and you make me this meal three times a week and, you know, any rub my feet when I get home from work. None of that stuff. Yeah. Right? None of that. And so this is a, a covenant marriage. Covenants are a big deal in the Bible um, because they they basically stem out of what you will do. So when you and I make a covenant with one another, it's how you're going to hold up that your end of the covenant, how I'm going to hold up my end of the covenant, right? right. Um, not a marriage, obviously, because <laughs> yeah. we're two dudes and that wouldn't work uh, for God. So, And I think it's important to note that this is literally the definition of marriage. One man, one woman. Uh, one in, flesh. One flesh in a covenantial <laughs> sexual yeah. relationship until separated by death. And it's also important to note, it's not in here, but... The whole reason that it's one man, one woman is to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. Is to have kids because one man and one woman is the only way to make kids. Right. It's the only way. <laughs> and science. Isn't and that amazing? It is amazing. And even saying that, uh, that's the basis for the family unit. The best basis. They have all these preferred, you know, what about three men and, you know, <laughs> three a, men and a, a woman and a dog or something <laughs> like that. You know, that's, that seems all right. Like those dudes are doing, you know, like that's not a state. They love each other. Yeah, they love each other. Yeah. Um, but that's not how, that's not the best way. Yeah. And studies prove this time and time again. Maybe we'll go into a full episode and talk about all the studies, but kids raised with one man, you know, a, a mother and a father that are actually a man and a female. Yeah. That is the absolute best standard. It's healthiest. The healthiest way. Yeah. Just as God intended it. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And to say, and that's what's so, I want to go off on a little riff here, I guess, maybe. Sure. That's what, it doesn't make sense when they try, the government or when they had this thing, same-sex marriage, or, you know, we'll call it something. It's not marriage. That's literally the definition of marriage. So you're changing the definition. Yeah. There is only there, there. There can be only one definition, or else it ceases to be a definition. If a definition of anything means that anything, then it's not a definition. Yeah. You know, if I it's say a category, right? Yeah. So if I say the number one or the term for one equals uh, multiple numbers of things that each each could vary, it could be, you know, if I have one can of Coke Zero in my hand, but it could be two cans, and I'll still call it one, or it could be three in an apple, and I still <laughs> say I have apple. one one of those. It's nothing. It, it, the definition is either one thing, right, or it is nothing, right. So you can't change it. You can't add, you know, yeah, uh, with something like this. It's one man, one woman. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah, and it goes back to truth, right? Yeah, it goes all the way back to scripture, the Bible, truth. There's one truth. There's not multiple truths. Right. There can only be one truth. And the fact that there is one truth, that means that everything else outside of that truth it's is false. not true. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's yeah. a lie or a false or wrong or whatever. Yeah. So it's just a not truth. And uh-huh. so so 
they affirm right so i'll of some good stuff there and you know male and female in covenant uh one man one woman in covenant and it is a curse of sin that manifests in some people a same sex attraction so mm-hmm. they right out say it's sin yeah um and well the bible's clear about that right. that same sex same sex attraction the attraction is not sin by the way it's the yeah. acting out of it is right. when you act out on it that's sin so i want to point that out the temptation is not sin Mm-hmm. Temptation is just the doorway, the threshold of sin, and you can either walk through it or you can walk away. And that's why it talks about being single and chaste. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, maybe we can. And, and we'll we'll have to come back and compare this to the other one. Right, we, right. We, we might have to do two podcasts. Yeah, we might have to do one just on this and one just on the other one. Yeah, make it a part one and part two. I don't know. We'll see how this keeps going. Yeah. So, uh, so we deny that human sexuality is a socially constructed concept. We also deny that one sex can be fluid. We reject quote unquote gay Christian as a legitimate biblical category. Hmm. We further deny that any kind of partnership or union can properly be called marriage other than one man and one. Okay. So, so I said and lifelong covenant together. We further deny that people should be identified as sexual minorities, which serves as a cultural classification rather than one that honors the image-bearing character of human sexuality as created by God. Wow. That's great, man. Yeah. So hu- human uh, sexual minorities basically raises that person's uh, – it's basically – they're raising them – I'm trying to – how do I say this? They're putting themselves above what God has already called them. Right. Right? Yeah. So God says, oh, you're an image-bearer of me. That's enough. You're a human. You're a man or you're a woman. And now you're saying, no, but my sexual identity actually is more important than, than those things. Right. They're raising their sexual orientation above other aspects of their life. We don't really do this to anything else. No. Well, <laughs> I guess to kind of – yeah, that's what – it was really important when I was talking about critical race theory and uh, the, the cultural Marxism in the beginning. Class system – class, not caste. The class system, these divisions and all that is totally – cultural marxism which is a <laughs> that's a whole other thing but <laughs> yeah the socialist idea of you are uh, you need to be broken down into collectives and you're not one person who's in you know when i say an individual i mean you know you have your quirks you know i'm a white dude i'm six foot tall or whatever i, yeah. I weigh this much i do this I, I, you know i can grow a nice mustache you know stuff like that um that doesn't really matter, but cultural Marxism and this liberalism and socialism and all that stuff is saying, no, you're only worth, you, you need to look at yourself as a collective and, oh, you can grow a mustache. Well, you and all the other guys that can grow mustaches, you need to, you know, help those dudes that can't grow mustaches. We need to, you know, donate. We need to take the, the hairs from your face and give them to women who want to be guys who can't grow mustaches. I mean, that's basically what it is when you say <laughs> you want to take this stuff. Yeah. You know, they want to see everyone in groups and these sexual minorities so, are. What's interesting is it's labeled, it's labeled as equality. Right. Right. They want equality, equality, equality. But there's tremendous differences and variances. Right. Like even within, like a, let's use your mustache for a yeah. second. Uh, even within the male category where, you know, testosterone the hair growing, you know, it's there. It's the male gene. The facial hair is there. It's a differentiation between a woman who doesn't grow facial hair like that typically. Right. 
even within men, it varies between the ability to grow and not grow facial hair. I know some guys that can't grow. Oh, they can't. They can't grow a beard. Yeah, they just can't. They try, but it's patchy, or it doesn't come in. Doesn't connect on the mustache. Whatever you know, and they get frustrated, and they look at other guys like me who have this milky, you know, white, <laughs> perfectly shapen beard. No, I'm just kidding. And uh, they get. Uh, they just. They say, "I can't do that." That's okay. It doesn't make you less of a man. Right. That's the point. I mean, some people would say you're less of a man. Well, if you can't grow in, a beard. In the Muslim religion, beards are re- revered, so <laughs> they poke on them a lot. Right. It's always embarrassing when you see these guys on YouTube. These uh, uh, There's one, I remember, that called out Steve Crowder like a while, years yeah. ago. And he just had the patchiest facial beard. <laughs> you're like, you know all the Muslims are lo- like all the other dudes looking down on him like... Why is he the one calling him out, right? Yeah. Like, can't we get a guy with a stronger beard? Or, <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, so sexuality and marriage, <laughs> they talk really good. They, I, love, I love their definition, and I love how they deny that, uh, that human sexuality um, is, a, is a socially construct, construct uh, concept. Uh, it's not. Human sexuality is not a socially constructed concept. It's something that people were, just like you were designed to eat, just like you were designed to sleep, you were designed for a sexual act. You know, God gave you the instruments on your physical being, both male and female. They're there, and we were created to use them with a purpose, as you said, to be fruitful and to multiply. It's all part of this design. So we're pulling away from the design and the blueprint that God handed down and give has given to mankind. And people would say, well, the fact that you hold to those things. You are such a bigot. You are so close-minded. You are so hateful. I don't think that it's hateful. If you were to logically look at it like this, Stephen, this is what I what I don't... If you were looking at blueprints to a, a massive 300-story building or something crazy, some big giant skyscraper, and it was requiring for the structure to be able to withstand, you know, the the insane wind and the storms and whatever else would be coming around from the environment. It required that you put a pillar, you know, a concrete pillar every, you know, uh, 16 feet or something like that. Right. And you looked at that blueprint and you're like, Oh, that, that blueprint, man, it's just so, it's so hateful that it forces you to have to, (laughs) you know, it forces you to have to put a pillar in every 16 feet or whatever. But the architect understands when he designed it, that this is what's required in order for this building to remain standing against all the elements and the wind and whatever else is going to come around, even time. And that's exactly what what we're doing as a people, as a culture. We're looking at this blueprint and we're saying... I can do better. Yeah, I can do better than this blueprint. And it's like, this this is what happens when when you start to lift regulations on construction (laughs) and you let any old joe put an addition on his house Mm -hmm. and he doesn't do the 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 cabling for the wiring and electricity right or he doesn't do the the framing for the framework on the house right and it ends up catching on fire or falling down and people get hurt and people die and it's no different with this from from a standpoint of in a human standpoint here that god laid down a biblical blueprint for marriage for family, for sexuality. And we're spitting that in God's eye and saying, no, we we have a better plan. And it's just not going to hold up. There's no way it's going to hold up. So, I mean, this is really, I mean, to kind of touch on that, is, is um, 
not only, I mean, this is like one of the very first sins is like turning away from God and trying to become God. That's what this is, is basically saying, I mean, this is a complete revolt. Yeah. I mean, it's placing, I mean, literally trying to become God. That's what liberals see themselves as. They are, and I use this in not the the weird cultural thing. This is satanic. <laughs> I mean, this is. Yeah. I mean, I, there's definitely sa- satanic influence behind it. But I mean, the idea of trying to become a God. 100%. That is, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anybody that you want to be your own God. You yeah. know, and and so the you know, and the age old question that Satan gave to Adam and Eve was, "Did God really say?" Right. That's the first thing he said to him. Questioning God, God. Yeah. Did God really say that? And so we we have to. There has to be a return. As a culture, as a as as a, as a human culture, we have to return to the blueprint. You know, in fact, we should start a podcast called "Back to the Blueprint," right? <laughs> but that'd be good. It'd be good, yeah. I mean, we just start talking about like the blueprint of of family and nature and all that stuff. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be good, huh? You like yeah. that? We'll do a, a spinoff podcast, maybe. <laughs> but but this is why you know actually these topics, these things that we're talking about today, is one of the reasons we named our podcast "All Out War." Yeah, because there is there is nefarious forces at work to destroy. And to pull down these things that God has handed down from heaven on high with complete wisdom and complete love for his creation. And and there's forces at work that are deceived by by the enemy. I think they're deceived spiritually and they're deceived in their minds. And they have bought and believe a lie. Mm-hmm. And they want to perpetrate it. And, they, and a lot of people that are, are in that don't even realize it. Yeah. So I don't get mad at them. I get mad at the lie. Right. So when I, and just like when I see someone who's in bondage, like when I see a prisoner of war, uh, when I look at like, um, whenever you see these, these war, war videos from Vietnam and you see these American prisoners that were held in war and captivity, you know, heart breaks for them. Yeah. And uh, they can't get out. And a lot of people right now believe lies. They're living lies. They're perpetrating the lies, and so much so that they're actually trying to silence voices like yours and mine, and and it's stop God's God's voice. Yeah, I mean, call me a prophet if you want. That's great, <laughs> but uh, I don't want that title. But I'm heralding God's truths even right now. We're heralding those, and this statement, this social justice and the gospel statement, is also heralding that truth as well. And I think it's brilliant. And I was going to say. In this thing where they're talking bad about God, I mean, when you start looking at all these pieces, and like you said, that they're believing this lie, and it, it really is sinister. I mean, the way that they're pushing God out of schools. I mean, yeah. You, you, I mean, just it, this sounds like oh, some vast right wing Christian conspiracy or something like that. But the liberalization and this cultural Marxism and all this infiltration of so many institutions. Yeah, you can't, you know, you can't, can you get mad at the 18-year-old that doesn't know anything? Right. That goes to a college, and here's this professor, and I know this is no new point or anything, but the professor says, no, you know, biology, you know, that's not settled science. Um, gender is fluid, and all of a you look around and you have some crazy uh, person in your, on your your floor, your dorm or something, and they're like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sapiosexual, you know, gender fluid, <laughs> yeah. two-spirited or something like that. Yeah. 
And if you say, I don't, I don't think that's right. Every you're ostracized. Right. And the teacher, you know, you hear about these teachers that call them out. You're a bigot and you don't want to be called a bigot because what an actual bigot is like what it, right. Yeah. There's power behind the term racism. Well, there used to be. <laughs> I don't mind, you know, honestly, I don't get, I don't mind getting called a racist anymore by depending on certain people. Sure. You know? Yeah. Right. People that know my heart, you know, like I'm not a racist. Yeah. And to hear some, that's the easiest thing that they throw out or you're a bigot or you're so-and-so. I don't care. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me, me anymore. Right. Because I know I'm not the people that care that know me. No, I'm not. And, uh, I'm not scared of that, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to lose my job over it. Um, I also don't go around saying stuff like this. Uh, <laughs> you know, but... Uh, it, well, this is a safe place. Safe yeah, place for Safe you. space, yes. yeah. But, it, I mean, going back to that, it really is... There is a big plan at work here. Um, you know, this stuff is not just happening by accident. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there is a lot of sinister stuff going on. yeah. So they go in let's go back to the statement here. So they go back yeah, sorry for the rant. No, no, it's okay. I so sexuality and marriage they they some of the the other topics that they have left that they go over are complementarianism uh which is important uh race and ethnicity and then culture. Uh racism is the last one that they talk about. And here's something that I want to we're going to probably we'll we'll go to co- complementarianism next but um one of the things that I want to point out is that they are, there has been a movement from um, human sexuality orientation. So your sexual orientation is equal to as race. Right. And I don't know how they made that leap from who I decide to have sex with is equal to, equal to the color of my skin or my ethnic background. And you, uh, Yeah, you see this um... – like you, you had said earlier something about it made me think of, you know, who you have sex with is all of a sudden now it's and Matt Walsh says this a lot. You know, you're not I'm not forcing my morality on you. They are forcing their immorality on us. Yeah. Because we're not the ones going around with parades. Yeah. Uh where's hang, the where's hanging last out time? naked. Right. Um you know, with our girl, you know, like walking around with our wives and girlfriends all naked and being like, hey, look at we like to have sex. Or or even just heterosexual parade, pride parade, you know, like. Oh, hey, it could never happen. We're a heterosexual pride parade or, you know, um, or a white, you know, a white, well, white appreciation month. Like, it's I mean, okay to be white. That yeah. statement. Yeah. It's totally okay to be white. It's okay to be black. It's okay to be. Well, you can't change it. You can't change it. And God made you. Right. So. I'm not ashamed. You shouldn't be ashamed. If you're listening to this and you're a, you know, black or Asian or whatever color your skin is, that's the way God made you. Unless you go to a tanning booth. Yeah. Like I I would do that. I would go to a tanning booth cuz I'm vain. But uh I, I'm just kidding. Never. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but my point is is that you my point about race and sexuality which is a lot of confusion there too is they're equating your sexuality, your sexual orientation, your gender with race right but here's the crazy thing about it you can't change your race you can't stop being black you can't unless you're sean white 
Sean, uh, whatever his name is. <laughs> Sean White, the snowboarder. No, no, no. Uh, that, I know who you're talking about, the, yeah, the social justice whatever guy. Whatever his name was. Yeah. Or Rachel Dolezal. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, they wanted to be a different, but yeah. they were, but genetically they weren't. And, and I don't even care about that. Yeah. That's a cultural, they want to culturally identify with a particular race. Um, I have a buddy, he's from Lebanon, Christian guy. He's Lebanese. His wife is white. And uh, because of, you know, he has certain affinities, you know, Lebanese women have a certain look and everything. She has some of those character traits and she actually accentuates, accentuates those, accentuates those, accentuates those for him because she loves him and she wants him to be more attracted to her or whatever. And, um, but she doesn't try and become... Lebanese. Right. She appreciates the culture. She learned how to cook the food. She even knows a little bit of the language. I mean, she married into the family, right? Yeah. So, uh, but but there's a difference. Like, you can't change your race. You just can't. Yeah. But there's an actual category of of sexual orientation or gender of gender fluid, which would specify that you go back and forth between different standings of gender, whether it be male or female or whatever. I don't... It's literally a, a variant scale that I don't even understand. Yeah, I mean, you can just make up your own, and people now have to accept it. Yeah, it used to, it just used to be gay and lesbian. Mm-hmm. Then it was it was uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual. Then it was lesbian, gay, bisexual, queer. Which I thought queer was gay. I I don't understand the difference between that, right? And so they have all of these all of these pronouns that they're adding to the list but they change but they're equating with race which doesn't change right so they're forcing this on to people yeah they're forcing it on to people and they want people to look at this the same way like you would never look at a like you would never look at a black person if you're white and and be like you know you got to become a different color like no one in your right mind would say that right yeah they would just say that is what they are god made them that way no big deal yeah right I mean, at least that's how I think. I think normal people would think no big deal, right? Yeah, yeah. But you're now you're forcing this whole like sexual identity on you, which is a choice. This is the craziest thing. Sexual identity, sexual orientation in particular is a choice. It is a choice. And there's many choices that are made in it. Okay, so uh, I'm a heterosexual male. I happen to uh, – now, I have an inclination towards towards loving – you know, an affection towards women. So heterosexual in that sense, but I'm very particular. I actually like blondes over brunettes. I actually like certain color eyes over other certain color eyes and things like that. So I'm making small judgments all the time. Right. And on top of that, there's personality judgments that I make. I like humor. I like an intelligent woman. I, you know, so my wife fits all these categories. She's blonde. She has beautiful eyes. She's incredibly smart. She's very funny. She has sarcasm. She fits all these wonderful categories. And so I'm very attracted to her. Right. right? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And so, uh, so she has all of those categories that I like, but those all came out of judgments and decisions that I made. There were choices. Right. Right. It, you're making them all. There could be 50 women that could fit some of those categories, but I chose her. You know what I mean? So don't tell me it's not a choice. Right. Don't tell me you couldn't choose this. Especially now when we're talking about how you can be fluid in all of those things. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, the other thing is, even when they say, so, 
I just like, I hate this comparison. Um, so say you were gay and you believe that you were born gay. Cause yeah. that's really what they're saying is sure. I was born gay. This man was born black. It's the same thing. Except here's, right. here's the thing. Um, when they were lynching black people, I'm just going to say, you know, when they were lynching black people, you couldn't pretend to be white. Right. They could not pretend to be, or they couldn't act white enough to not get lynched, which was terrible. They would base it off of complete observation of skin color. Right. Yeah. You can, if you're gay and you, and (laughs) this is what's so crazy, uh, under Trump and Pence, he's going to kill all the gay. Like I heard stuff, people crying on Facebook, friends of mine that were like, Oh my God, he's going to kill all my gay friends. Or I had some from college that I had to be Facebook friends with for class stuff. They're like, he, he's going to, he's going to put us in concentration camps for gay. What? And I wanted to say, Hey, why don't you just act straight then? It's not that hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can, you can act, uh, like if, if they were killing guys with curly hair, I would shave my, shave all my head, my hair. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they were doing that, if they were, uh, you know, if there was something that I, if they were killing people. Based on some appearance. A, that, appearance That thing, you could change. Yeah. That could change. I would do that. Right. Or yeah. if they were killing homosexual, uh, straight guys, I'd start talking with the list. Or, you know, something doing something stereotypical. <laughs> you know what I mean? The stereotypical, right. To I, throw them off. So right. So they wouldn't get onto you. That you can't be less, you can't look less Asian. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You no. can't change that. You can't. It's not, it is absolutely not the same thing. Right. Yeah. I and it you. is offensive to, to me to hear that. You yeah. know what I mean? So. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're, I hear you, man. Your rant. I, I, I'm following you. So, uh, so this is the, 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 this is the gist of this particular social justice and the gospel statement. And, and, you know, I guess my point that I want to make on this whole thing is, on the social justice side of things in the gospel is that there's a real cry for these people that the social justice is connected to this desire to bring about equality. That's what they want. Right. And there's no doubt in my mind that there have been moments historically, race in, in particular, where it, we have, where our culture has not treated well and done well in these areas. America, historically in America, there was and still is to this day some major racial tensions that are happening in our in our culture. I don't think that um, the last eight years helped that at all. No, I really don't. Um, I, I can remember uh, the tensions that were created after the president was there, the black, pre- you know, Barack Obama was there, um, that weren't you know existing with some of my black friends, um, and it was. It became, you know, where you would openly speak about not liking aspects of policy that were being made politically by that president or whatever. You had to now hold back because then the race card would be would be handed out if you had a critical statement about the president, you know, in that time. Uh, Not like any other like that would never work with a white president. You know, if, if if a black person was critical of a white president and I was like, oh, you're you don't like him because he's white. That wouldn't work the other way around right. because they're minorities and because of the fact that historically they have been mistreated. Historically, you know, black people in America, they have a history of being mistreated by white people. Okay. That's just a fact. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, a, I don't have a problem admitting that. Um, the problem is they want justice 
and equality. And they're lumping in sexual identity and, and sexual orientation with the race. And they're putting them all in one big bucket. And they're saying all of these things need to be equal. And if you don't approve of it, all of it, then you're a hater, you're a bigot, and all these things. And I, th- I think it's important to point out that there – a couple things with that. They, they're not talking – when they talk about equality, they're not talking about the type of equality that we have in our Constitution. Right. Where it talks about equal equality under the law, equality of whether what we're talking about is equality of um, it, it's not the equality of outcomes; it's the equality of being able to do that. So, which doesn't exist in America, or the inequality of opportunity does not exist. So, if you're a black man, you can start a company. You're allowed to start a company. In America. Right. If you're a woman, you're allowed to start a company in America or do anything. Start. So they, go- they would, but see, wouldn't you think that they would say, yeah, I agree with you on that. A black person, uh, a gay man, gay woman can start a business and, and, and hire people and make a lot of money if they want. But wouldn't they say that there's bias and prejudice against them and that's what they're trying to remove? So because I'm a black man, I may not be awarded certain contracts or business because I'm black um, versus uh, another person who's white who might do the same job who would find more more customers because of a bias against black people or a homosexual that if they were, you know, uh, if it was apparent that they were homosexual, maybe they were transgender or maybe they were, you know, um, you know, maybe they were transgender. And so what happens is they say, I want removed the bias and the prejudice that comes attached to my choices of the way I'm living versus because there's reality in both of those. Right. So like the, the, the racial side of things aside there, they have opportunities. They can, they can still get a business. They can do it. Uh, the sexual orientation uh, and gender, you know, choice aside they can still start a business they can they have all of the same freedoms and opportunities that you and i have awarded to us in the constitution right they can travel wherever they want right they right. can do whatever yeah so what you said was e- the outcome they want equality and outcome right and right so that's where you get a problem which doesn't they want the government to force equality yeah and that never that, that, that that's not possible. It's an impossibility. It yeah. cannot happen. Yeah, unless the government becomes incredibly controlling and forces equality, and that's what we call socialism or communism. And so here, here you go as an example. Um, in Germany, you know the Wei- the not the Weimar the Weimar Republic and all that stuff. Yeah, they saw that the Jews were tended to be more wealthy. And all these Germans uh, that were not Jewish, they wanted the government to start like, "Hey, we're German and we're poor," and they, you know, they had these biases or something like that. We want their property. We see them, and then all of a sudden, you have what happened. You have the government step in and start saying stuff, and that's what fascist uh, government. Uh, fa- yeah. Well, yeah, it became fascist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, a, it was right in the name, National Socialists. Yeah, they took stuff, and I mean that's when they they took all the Jews and put them in ghettos. Yeah, and they took all their stuff and that, redistributed. That it. That was the beginning of the uh, end of 
Jews in Germany having any type of comfort or potential quality of life. Yeah. So so that's from a cultural standpoint. But we've been really talking about a biblical standpoint. And so I think we need to do our next podcast. I think we need to present it based on the next statement because we said there was two statements that yeah. came out. And you know the 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 this statement, the social the statement on social justice in the gospel. And then there's another another document that was written by the members of progressive Asian American Christians, PAAC. And we can go over that in our next podcast. And they they address this particular one that we just went over. And they're gonna they're what we're gonna talk about now is because it's not a cultural thing so much as it is a uh we're talking about a um from a religious or a spiritual standpoint. And this is really important because the church is going to be always invading the culture. And if we buy into the culture what it's saying, we're going to have to compromise on truth. And this is an important thing that we have to understand. We have to. There's only so much of the culture you can absorb before that culture, which is fallen, broken, and sinful, and defiant to the truth of God, begins to you know impact what you've embraced on the truth. And you have to give up one for the other. Yeah, you do. I mean, you're seeing this just as an example in the Episcopalians, Episcopalian churches all across America. They started. They're they're very progressive for people that don't know much about Episcopalianism. <laughs> yeah. um, they started doing lots of crazy stuff, being invaded by the the culture, right? Turning to the culture instead of being like that lighthouse shining the way. They just were. We'll just let the fog. We'll just dissolve into the fog, and they're closing down. Right. They. They. The church is dying. Yeah. And they're splitting those that those that are uh, spiritually conservative and value the. They have a high value on God's word. They really have a high value for the truth of God's word. They're departing from that that denomination right. because they don't have a home there anymore. Because people are telling them, "Oh, you can't trust God's word. God's word's bigoted. It's hateful." This is, our life, our decisions on our lifestyle choices are are higher than God's opinion, right? And more important. And I deserve to be happy. And doesn't God want me to be happy? And all these other statements that they're coming out with. And so people that value truth and have a conservative outlook on these things and and fall on the side of the inerrancy of Scripture and God's word, they're being pushed out or they're leaving because they're losing their home. They're losing their spiritual home with their family, and and this is happening. It's an epidemic yeah. through the churches. There will be a church, a great falling away in the last days of truth, and um, there will be those that will call wrong right and right wrong. And I think we're we're there at, at a major area, <laughs> but, you know, within the world, but in the church, it's we're, scary. It's scary. Yeah, even you know, I've been a believer. Um, for about 30 years. I've been a Christian for about 30 years. And I just want to tell you, man, the opinions and values of within within the body of believers has radically changed. Yeah. Very f- few and fewer and fewer people are holding on to those those tenets, those truths, and and they're letting go of them because they're afraid. They're afraid to be labeled. They're afraid to be pointed out. And they're afraid to be, you know, called a name. And I mean, that's what we... but. As Christians, we should be ready for that. We were warned. Right, right. I mean, we were told that we were going to be mocked and ridiculed. Right. And Jesus Jesus warned his church that when you stand for truth, you will be hated. Right. And he says, but take heart. 
He says, they're hating me, not you. Yeah. You know, so, you know, because the same, this is the crazy thing about all of this. And this is what I try and remind people. The same truth that, that, you know, say someone, say somebody is, uh, you know, some transgender individual, which we would identify as sinful, you know, biblically, comes to the Lord. They have to come to the Lord, bow before the Lord and give that over to God in the same way that I have to give over to God my sins, you have to give over to God your sins. Like, we all have to come through the same door. Right. And we all have to bow our knee. It doesn't matter what you're bringing to to that to that door, you know? It, it, you can have it, – it all. it's all sinful. We're all sinful. So it's not as if what God's requiring of one individual is less for another individual. Like, it's easier for me because I'm, I have, you know, uh, heterosexual desires – it's easier for me to turn to the Lord because that's more greatly accepted. Actually, that's not true. Yeah. It, I have sins that I have to bring to the Lord as well. Daily, we have to. Daily, hourly, man. Yeah. I, I, shoot, man. Yeah. I'm, as bad as I am, it's probably after this podcast, I might have to go back and, you know, every minute. Yeah. <laughs> but so that's the thing. Yeah. It's, an, it's equal. Everyone comes to the Lord in the same place at and the foot of the cross. That's why this document is so good. Yeah. I mean, literally. Every point of this is sound doctrine, sound theology. Yeah. It is the truth. I mean, this is the truth right. laid out. Yeah. And um, so let's set up our next podcast because yeah. I feel like we're going to leave people hanging and that's okay because that'll just mean you have to listen to the next podcast. So, so this is social justice part one. Part two will be next week or maybe later this week. I don't yeah. know. Maybe we'll turn this off and start recording part two and we'll just uh, go into, I don't know. We'll figure it out, but you'll, it'll be on the podcast, but setting that up, we're going to talk about the opposing uh, statement that came out to this from the, uh, the PAAC. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about um, some of the, some of the uh, culture that's inbreeding itself into, into the church. Yeah. today. Some of it is that victimhood mentality mm-hmm. that I'm seeing more and more. Uh, in particular, to some of our young adult population, just everything's a victim. They're you know, they're they're always the victim, and that victim mentality really plays into some things that uh, are <laughs> that favor into this whole social yeah. justice thing, because everybody's a victim, and uh, everybody wants to get their their just uh, justice that yeah. they feel like they deserve, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, so well, man, uh, dude, it's been. It's been good. This has been really good. And there's a lot more to be said about this. So if you're listening, I want to invite you back to our next podcast. And, uh, and our, our next one's going to be unpacking this some more. And we're going to make, we're going to hopefully give you a, a good, authentic, um, understanding of what's going on here in our culture and in our churches regarding this idea of social justice. But Stephen, dude, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. Another great episode, man. Thanks Another for, one. thanks for hanging with me, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks All right. For- well, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to know more, you can visit us on the web at alloutwar.us or you can find us on Twitter at alloutwarcast. Hey, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.